0: Welcome to Christian Life Assembly Online. We are so glad that you were able to join us. We hope you enjoy the message this week from Pastor Jim Poirier. For more information, please visit our website at www.clawinnipeg.org. Or if you have a prayer request, please email us at prayer at Well, I want to share with you this morning... From Acts chapter sixteen, verse sixteen to eighteen, and you can turn with me in your Bibles, and and I'll be reading that in a couple of minutes. But I want to start with a story I heard this week from Nikki Gumbel. Uh, Joanne and I every every day uh, listen to Bible in One Year. It's by Nikki Gumbel and uh, out of England, and. Uh, they do scripture reading and, and a little commentary. They tell oftentimes little stories. You can get it as an app on your phone. If you don't have it, You can anybody can do it. And so he told a story this week about a lady by the name of Jean Smith who got an infection in her eyes, and it destroyed her retinas and the mirrors behind her eyes, and she went blind. And uh, she had been blind for 16 years. And she went to Alpha, and they were teaching about the Holy Spirit and how the Lord answers prayer. And so she prayed and the Lord touched her. And for the first time in 16 years, she had no pain. That was a miracle. Well, then she went to church that Sunday because she was so grateful to God for what he'd done. And, the, and, and they anointed her with oil, just like we do here at the altar. And the Lord touched her. And when they wiped the oil away, I don't know how much oil they put on her, but it must be more than we do here when, they, when she wiped the oil away. She could see. And she was amazed at how old her husband looked. Um, His his beard had gone white. And uh, after 16 years of not seeing him, uh, I guess he looked a little different. And she, for the first time, saw her six-year-old grandson who used to take her and lead her around. And he said, Grandma, forever I'll be thankful for what God's done. Eyesight is a wonderful thing. It's a gift. And a lot of us, as we, you know, go past 40 years old, we start, to, uh, we start to lose it. It starts to go a little blurry. I never thought I'd ever use a smartphone. I thought, how does anybody see that? One, one optometrist said, if people's arms were longer, we'd go broke. You know, we have to stretch out in order to see. And That's just uh, part of life. It's part of aging, and and we value our eyesight. But one of the other things that we also need to see clearly is we need to see not just with our physical eyes, but we also need to see with our spiritual eyes, and that would be uh, having a sense of discernment, to be able to discern good from evil, right from wrong, truth from lies, uh, you know, real Christians from hypocrites—that sort of a thing. And so we we also need to see with spiritual eyes, not just with physical eyes. And our passage of scripture this morning is a passage that really uh, depicts this pretty clearly. And uh, the story is is about about Paul and Silas, and I'm going to read the scripture to you right now. Um, From Acts chapter 16, verse 16 and following, it says, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She was, uh, you might say, a fortune teller. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now she kept this up for many days. Finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment the Spirit left her. And so this is an interesting little thing here. Uh, She was possessed by an evil spirit and she was telling people that Paul and Silas were men of God and that they would show the way to be saved. And you ask that question, well, why on earth would an evil spirit be doing that? Well, one of the reasons is that evil spirits will oftentimes try to hide or to mask themselves or disguise themselves as purveyors of truth in order to not be discovered. And so that would certainly be the case there. And why wouldn't they want to be discovered? Well, because evil spirits know that they are subject to, and under the, they come under the authority of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has the power to set people free, to deliver them, and to cast these evil spirits out. And they don't want to be cast out. They don't want to be exposed. So they will oftentimes hide and, and speak things that sound okay, but it's really not coming from a Holy Spirit source. Now here's something else. is um, There could also have been another hidden motive behind this evil spirit speaking through this young lady in order to disturb or disrupt uh, or, or to cause a sense of chaos in the spiritual realm. And certainly, it troubled Paul's spirit uh, the longer this was going on. And finally, he turned around and cast this demon out of her in the name of Jesus. And so, I, I want to share with you a few different points. And uh, you will have uh, these little sheets here that you can take notes on. And uh, because we don't have the benefit of PowerPoint today, I'll I'll try and be kind to you and help you uh, come up with the right answers here. The first point here is that evil spirits can work through people. You want to write that down, evil spirits. They can work through people. And we see that evident here in this passage of Scripture. And Paul and Silas are going about their ministry and they had been, they'd been staying at this lady's place by the name of Lydia, who was a, a dealer in purple cloth. And uh, they were on their way to the temple to pray. Now, this was taking place in a place called Thyatira, which uh, today, if you were to look up, well, where's Thyatira? You would find that it is actually the modern-day uh, Akisar in Turkey, the city by the name of Akasar, that's where this took place. Now it's interesting to note that Thyatira is one of the um, one of the places mentioned in Revelation, in the seven letters to the churches, Uh, in Revelation chapter two, there's a letter to the church in Thyatira. And the problem with the church in Thyatira is it was a tolerant church. And you can write that down, tolerant. It was a tolerant church. And what were they tolerant of? They were tolerant of false teaching. And the false teaching that they were tolerant of was the teaching of Jezebel. Jezebel was really a a pretty filthy, sleazy, wicked, deceptive woman. And they were tolerating the teaching of Jezebel which was misleading believers into sexual immor- immorality. And so this is, this is the atmosphere that Paul and Silas are, are in. This is the city of Thyatira that they're in, and they're going to pray. Evil is all around. Evil is all around us, and as righteous people... We don't get the benefit of living in a bubble where we are completely unaffected by the evil around us in this world. You're going to be tempted. You're going to encounter evil people. You may encounter violent people. You will encounter all kinds of stuff because we live in a fallen, broken world that has not yet been you know, completely redeemed. We live in an evil world. And evil things happen. And evil things happen to good people. And so we see that played out here in this passage of Scripture. Here's these two guys on their way to pray. So they're involved in some pretty good activity. And they encounter evil. They come across a... Or a demon-possessed girl comes across them. And so we don't live in in bubbles. We, We will sometimes encounter evil from unsuspecting sources. Now, it can happen within the church as well. Uh, I could tell you all kinds of stories of evil that has made its way into churches. I remember in, uh, in another province, uh, a pastor fell into uh, an immoral relationship And they later discovered that two women had come into the church and their whole purpose in coming into the church was to seduce pastors and cause them to fall into immorality. And then they would move on from there and do their destruction in another place. And so they were actually, I I don't know if they were witches or into witchcraft, but certainly it was evil what they were doing. And they were going from church to church for the sole purpose of destroying ministries and destroying churches. And so we need to be very aware and we need to be very wise and very clear about um, the fact that evil can make its way into the church. Now that's a very extreme situation, but we also need to be aware that if division, strife, gossip, slander, uh, rebellion. If that sort of stuff begins to manifest itself in the body of Christ, we need to deal with that kind of stuff, not tolerate it, not put up with it, because that too is evil being generated in the body of Christ. And what is the ultimate goal of it? It's to destroy the church. And so we realize that that even if we're well-intentioned and, and well-meaning and everything else, that we don't live in bubbles And that there is a vulnerability that the body of Christ has. And so we need to be very discerning and very wise and realize that, you know, if if we have peace in the church, we don't take that for granted. Um, And when disruptive things come in, we will deal with it. We will deal with it. And so another place that evil can be generated that that can affect you is sometimes in your own families. And... uh, you know the, the the biggest problems that most people have is is usually family problems, right? Um, uh, you know it, it's going to be with a, a breakdown in relationship, and you know in among siblings or in laws or or maybe a husband and wife or problems that your children uh, cause. Uh, there can be all kinds of of issues that can come up in families, breakdown in relationships, and and. Uh, Uh, all kinds of possibilities for us, even as Christians, to act in very unchristian ways, because sometimes we have a set of rules for for, uh, how we treat people that are strangers, but we sometimes operate by different rules when it comes to how we treat our own family members. And we need to be careful that we're not perpetuating any kind of behavior that's not of God. And so here they are. They encounter this slave girl... And uh, she is making this proclamation under the influence of demonic spirits and uh, saying, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Pretty interesting for a demon to be proclaiming that, but we've already talked about the motivation behind that. So Satan was working through her. Well, let's look at the next point. And, uh, That is that we can discern the spirits. Number two, we can discern the spirits. So there's three kinds of spirits that people operate by. And you can write these down. The first one is the Holy Spirit. The second one is human spirit. And the third one is evil spirit or demonic. You can write either word down. It doesn't matter to me. Let's talk, first of all, about the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and following, it says, be not drunk with wine, but it says, be filled with the Spirit. And so we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're filled with the Spirit, uh, it's, it's easily evident that the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us. So... Here's what one author said. He said, The idea is one of being controlled by God's spirit rather than by other forces. When we are filled by by the spirit, we see a resultant attitude of joy and thanksgiving. And we also see a relational posture of humility toward God and submission to one another. So the opposite is true. Like if, If you're living your life and there's no humility... And it's all about me, and it's all about me getting my way, and I'm not going to be submissive to anybody. I'm not going to listen to anybody. It's my way or the highway. That's not evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you're living your life like that, it really should be an indicator that, you know what, I need to, I need to bring my life under the control of the Holy Spirit, If it's all about me, if it's all about my will, if it's all about what I want, that is not a spirit-controlled life. And you only have two options. You're either going to be spirit-controlled or you're not. And we need to be spirit-controlled. So it's easy to identify people that are living spirit-controlled lives. There's there's peace. There's humility. There's love. There's submission to one another. There, there There is this sense of Of the presence of God at at work in people's lives. As believers, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Spirit Spirit-controlled. And so when you think about that, some people say, well, you know, I don't want to lose control. I don't want to give God absolute control over my life. It's not a matter of you losing the ability to make choices. What it does is it gives you the power to make right choices. It gives you the power to live for God. It gives you the power to be an overcomer and not be defeated. When you are spirit controlled, it gives you the power over addictions and over sin and over temptation. That's what happens when you are under the Holy Spirit's control. If you're not under the Holy Spirit's control, then you're probably out of control, and you're going to have all kinds of chaos that comes into your life, and relational difficulties that come into your life. You're going to have problems at work. You're going to have problems in marriages. You're going to have problems with with people all around you. If you're not under the Spirit's control, you're out of control. But it's only when we come under the Holy Spirit's control that we actually get control of all the things that that so many people struggle with. So we want to be under the Spirit's control. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So another spirit that people can operate by is a human spirit. Now, this is neither good nor bad. It's neither, you know, pure nor evil. It's just human. And a lot of times um, people that are not under the Holy Spirit's control, they're just kind of operating out of the flesh. It's, it's what I want. It's what I want to do. And, 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 and you can reason it away and say, it's, it's not bad what I'm doing. It's just what I want to do. It's, it's what matters. And, and really, at, at the center of the being of a person that is not under the spirit's control, you know who's at the center of, of their being? I am. I. Me. What I want. And oftentimes when we are operating with, with a, under the human spirit, we will be very selfish. We'll be very self-centered. Life is about me. Life is about what I want. It's not about what you want. I'm not going to submit to what you want. I'm not going to give in. I want what I want. And that is oftentimes uh, how the human spirit operates. And sometimes there's a a fine line between um, the human and the spiritual. Every every Sunday morning, uh, the worship team gathers over here and we pray. And the prayer team comes and, and prays too. Well, why do we do that? Because when the worship team comes up here, they're not here to minister out of their own talent. It's not just about having a good voice. It's not just about being able to play an instrument well. It is about us being instruments of the Holy Spirit. It is about us being vessels of the Holy Spirit through which the Holy Spirit can operate, it is of no value to the body of Christ if the worship team is operating out of a human spirit. Do you follow me? It's the same with preaching of the word. We spend time in the word of God, studying, preparing. Uh, As a preacher, you know, bring bring your, your life to God, you bring your message to God, you bring your preparation to God. And the prayer that I pray is, Lord, speak through me. Because it's of no value to the body of Christ if what I speak, what I share, is just from the flesh, or just from my knowledge, or just from what I've learned, or from my education. It needs to be inspired by, and set on fire by, the Holy Spirit, not just the human spirit. And so, we can operate with the Holy Spirit, we can operate with the human spirit, and then the third spirit that people can operate by is by... The evil or demonic spirits. And that's what we see happening here with this young girl. Now, I don't know how old this girl was. It doesn't say. But what if she was 11 years old? You know, what if she, the kid was 85 pounds, you know, and four feet tall? It's very possible that she was that small. And physically that unintimidating. And yet... She was being used and controlled by the demonic. It doesn't say, it just says she's just a young girl. But she was under the control of a demonic spirit. And people can be demon possessed. And, you know, in the Western world, we're sometimes a little reluctant to, to talk about demon possession. And, and curses and spells and all of these things. But friends, it is real. It's in Canada, as it is in every other country and every other part of the world. People can be demon-possessed. It's a real thing. And people can be set free from demons. It's a real thing. And so, when people are under demonic possession... Uh, there, there can be all kinds of things that they're involved in. Witchcraft is one of them. Uh, Fortune telling. Seances. Uh, tarot card reading. Foretelling the future. Astrology. Uh, horoscopes. All of these things are demonically influenced And oftentimes are performed by people who are demonically possessed. And as Christians, do not cross that line of of coming under those influences. It is not for God's people. Be very black and white in that. I get very disturbed when when I hear of, of Christians that are like, Oh, well, you know, I was on holidays and I went and had my my cards read, or my palms read. Friends, we are followers of Christ. We do not look to Satan for information about our lives or our future. That is not of God. That is not of God. Demonically influenced and oftentimes done by people who are demonically possessed or, or oppressed anyway. And so there can be demon possession where people are under the full control of Satan. And that would be the situation here with this young girl. She was under Satan's control. She was being controlled by a demon. A demon was speaking through her and saying what he wanted to say. And all she was was just a puppet. She was just a pawn. Now there's another thing that can happen and that is, is demon oppression. And that is where a person isn't under the complete control of of a demon. But there may be parts of their lives that Satan has control over. Parts of their lives. So it could be in their sexual life. It could be with addictions. It could be with other impulses that they have. And they, they wonder, why on earth can't I get the victory over this? Because they need to be set free. And if you are in a... a a position in your life where you don't have control over certain aspects of your life, then you need to be getting prayer and asking for prayer and asking the Lord to set you free and surrendering those things to the Lord because Satan does not have to have that grip on anybody's life and he does not have authority over you. And so we shouldn't be giving up and, and allowing him to have pieces of us. We don't want that. Christians, uh, I believe that Christians cannot be demon-possessed. When you come to Christ, you have the spirit of Christ. You can't have dark and light dwelling in the same vessel. So I don't believe that Christians can be demon-possessed. In order for you to come to Christ, you need to be able to receive him, and it's going to be pretty tough for a demon-possessed person to also be possessed by Christ. But Christians can come under attack, And Christians can experience oppression in certain areas of their lives that you need to be free of. So, a little bit of teaching there. So, we have this situation in Acts 16 where, where this girl was definitely possessed. The devil was operating freely in her. And it brings us to the third point this morning. And that is that we have authority... Over evil spirits, and you can write that down under number three. We have authority over evil spirits, and there should be limits to what we will tolerate. You can write down tolerate, there should be limits to what we will tolerate. If you go back to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 we have the 72 that were sent out and they come back in verse 17 and it says, they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And so these 72 went out. These guys were, were, were not veterans in the ministry. They, they were brand new. Like, first mission, they go out, they discover that they even have the power to cast demons out in the name of Jesus. And they're pretty pumped about this. It's pretty cool. So there's a limit to what we should tolerate and we need to discover the authority that we have as believers. Our authority is in Jesus. You can write that down. Our authority is in Jesus. The authority of the believer rests in Jesus. And you'll notice as you look at At Acts chapter 16, when Paul had turned around and cast this demon out of this young girl, he didn't say in the name of Paul. He didn't say by my own power or by my own authority. He said in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, we have authority over over Satan and over evil spirits. We have authority in the name of Jesus. The believer has authority over evil and over evil spirits. You have authority not in your own self. In the name of Jesus, you have authority. And we have power over this. And any one of you could have been in this story, friends. Any one of you could have been in this story where you turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, come out of this girl. It just happened to be Paul. But it could have been any of you. And so, it's true that in the authority of Jesus, we stand. And Paul didn't cast a demon out on his own. Cast it out in the name of Jesus. Do you know you have authority? Do you walk in the knowledge of that authority? Or do you walk in fear? If you're walking in fear, you're not walking in authority. You have authority in the name of Jesus. As a child of God, you're filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is in you. And we have the authority. The believer has authority. In these situations, you don't have to shy away. You don't have to be afraid. Because it's not your own name you're invoking. It's the name of Jesus. Amen? And that's a demonstration of it right there. Thanks for listening to Christian Life Assembly's Message of the Week. Be sure to check us out at clawinnipeg.org for more information.